Welcome to And With Your Spirit, a homily podcast that takes preaching out of the sanctuary and moves it into your daily life. Let us make ourselves open to the voice of Christ and the movement of the Holy Spirit, that we might be transformed. Good evening. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. Uh, just a couple of things about tonight as we start the Advent season. As you can see, we have our Advent wreath candle uh, lit tonight. During the month, the season of Advent, uh, on Monday nights, we also have a collection. And part of that collection goes to St. Boniface Parish for letting us use their building and for helping them do the upkeep here, paying for our candles and hosts and that things too. Anyways, that basket is in the back on the table in the center if you'd like to make a donation to that. It'll also be here throughout the whole season of Advent. The other part of the we'll use it also for is the house programming. So if you have a specific interest in either one of those, you can make that known on a note with it, with your donation. So then secondly, we're also going to be doing the mass parts in Latin tonight. So if you'd like to get those parts, they're also located on the back on copies, or you can just listen to the beautiful chants of the people around you. They'll probably be pretty good. So tonight we're celebrating in that way to add some solemnity to this season. For times where we have not made God our priority, uh, where we have not shown our faith, let's uh, take a moment to call to mind our sins and ask the Lord to forgive us. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion approached him and appealed to him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, suffering dreadfully. He said to him, I will come and cure him. The centurion said in reply, Lord, I am not worthy to have you enter under my roof. Only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man subject to authority, with soldiers subject to me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come here, and he comes. To my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Amen, I say to you, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. I say to you, many will come from the east and the west and will recline with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the banquet in the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Advent is one of those times of year where priests sit in confessionals longer than usual because the lines are often longer. Although tonight, both lines got finished before adoration ended, so there's the irony. I was going to preach about confession and there was no confession lines. We do that, we go to confession, because we want to make ourselves ready. Um, Advent is a season of preparation, of getting ourselves, our lives, our world uh, ready for Jesus to enter into it. When I was a little kid, my hometown pastor always preached uh, at least one of the the Christmas homilies on the manger scene, which is located up here at Sacred Heart eventually. He would talk about how he loves the manger scene and to sit in the front pew and stare at it. Because he imagined what it would really be like. You know, like most manger scenes are like really nice and pretty and like lights are hanging around, you know, like the straw is fresh, you know. 
And in the real stable, it would have been, like, terrible, right? It's the middle of winter, so they've not cleaned the place out in a while. In fact, you let it build up so that that heat gets trapped. It would have been smelly and cramped. There would have been flies and sounds. There would have been very few lights, and those lights that were existing would have been candles if they could afford them. Anyways, he says, don't make Jesus be born into that, right? Into that mess. Instead, get yourself ready. Prepare the way of the Lord. And confession is one of the best ways to do it. Um, Has anyone been to confession in the last year, 12 months? Almost everybody, great. Anybody been in the last month? Bonus points. There it is. Good. That's a lot of people. That's amazing. I went to talk to the little kids at school today. They're making their first reconciliation next week at Corpus Christi. And uh, they wanted to ask me questions. And so I sat down, and one of the first questions was, how old is Jesus? And I was like, what's that? I have to do a confession. <laughs> Anyways, kids, right? That's how it works. Anyways, but they, when they ask questions, they ask questions like, if I go to confession and I forget something, is it still forgiven? And I said, well, how bad was it? <laughs> or another one said, if I go to confession and the priest knows me, will he remember my sins? And I said, Probably not, you know, but there's a screen if you want to go behind that just to be sure, you know, we don't know who you are. Another one said, what if I only remember two sins and I forgot the third one? I was like, well, I'm glad you've only got three. Like, that's awesome. You know, like, keep that streak alive. As they were asking all of these questions, they started to, to kind of diverge down one path alone, and it was mortal sin versus every other sin. And what they were worried about was that some of their sins would be too bad, too big, and they wouldn't want to say them. These are second graders, right? We were once there. Maybe we're still there. We think our sins or our self is too bad to give to Jesus. It's too big for him to fix it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. We are in the gospel. You know, the story in the gospel tonight, the Roman centurion coming, it's been going through my head all day. I, I, by the way, if you're looking for a good, thing, a good way to start the day, start with the gospel. And if the gospel doesn't quite reach you, go to the first reading or the responsorial psalm or something else. But just go to the, the daily readings the church gives you because almost always, if you give them time, they'll hit you right where you need it. Well, this morning I read this uh, eighth chapter of Matthew's gospel and it was sticking with me because something stuck out that I'd never heard heard before when I read it. We know the story. A Roman centurion who's in charge of a hundred men, so centurion, C-E-N-T, cent, like percent of a hundred. He's in charge of a hundred men. So he runs out to Jesus and he says to him, my, one of my servants is suffering. Can you heal him? And Jesus says, I will come immediately and go heal your servant. And then the centurion replies back and says, Lord, I am not I'm not worthy for you to enter under my roof. We say at Mass, same, right? Under my roof. He says, but only say the word and my servant shall be healed. And then he goes on and says, because I understand how words work. I'm a military guy. You you know this, right? You've seen the movies. We just watched 1917 a couple of weeks ago at the House of the Sermon. Projector screen up in the attic. It was a lot of fun. Anyways, 1917, a fantastic film. Highly recommend it. 10 out of 10. In this movie, there's two men that are given an impossible mission. They're told to go from the kind of deep in France, 
onto the front line, cross over German territory to take a little piece of paper to another commander that says, hey, don't, don't start the battle. And they have like nine hours to get there. And it's all on foot. They know that when they leave, that they're probably going to die. Because everyone they meet along the way in all of the trenches and bunkers, they laugh when they hear what these guys have to do. They say, oh, yeah, it's your funeral. In fact, one of the guys, as he's, they're, they're starting to climb out, they asked if they could have like a, a flare so they could uh, shoot the flare off in case the Germans had already gone away from that spot that they get to. People in the trenches didn't know if they were gone or not gone. And so he said, if you get there, shoot the flare off so that we know that it's safe. Then he says, but you're probably going to die. So as they start firing on you, throw the flare gun back so at least we don't lose it. You know, like, like hopeless, totally hopeless. He, this centurion knows what that means, to be a commander in the military. The, the, whole, the whole boot camp military training experience is getting men to do whatever you ask them without questioning. That's why they make the, them do really dumb things in the bunkhouses and stuff, because they want to make sure that you will never question your authority, ever. Okay. The centurion understands that words have power. And so he goes to Jesus and says, all you've got to do is say it and my servant will be healed. Because I know what happens when a powerful man speaks. Right? What struck, that's what usually strikes me, something like that. Cool, right? That's not my homily. My homily is the centurion goes to Jesus falls on his knees and says, will you help my friend? And then after Jesus says, yes, I'll go help your friend, the centurion says, I am not worthy for you to go to my house. Wait a second. What's so wrong with your house? You, you walked all the way. Jesus sees you. Forget your house. Why would a man be okay with going to God, but not be okay with God coming to him? That's the question that's been going through my mind today. And the only answer I can think of is the same answer all those kids were asking today. What if my sins are too bad? Now, there's a great painting at the uh, cathedral, for the Anglican Cathedral at St. Paul's in London, of Jesus. It's like an eight-foot-tall painting, four or five feet wide. It's mostly blue background. Jesus is holding a lantern. It's glowing yellow. Jesus's uh, beard and hair is dripping with dew from the night, and he's knocking on this, like, what looks like a garden door. It's a wooden door, and he's knocking on it. And as you look at the painting for a long time, you realize, maybe you've seen this one, that he's knocking on the door with a lantern in his hand, and he's not going in because there is no doorknob. There's no handle. He's on the outside trying to get into the space. But Jesus, as this artist depicts, will never force his way in. You have to let him. You have to open from the inside to let him come in. And I thought, well, that doesn't help because if the centurion would have just stayed at his house and like, you know, texted Jesus, let's say, and said, would you come heal my servant? He would still have to go to present himself to Jesus before coming in the house anyway. Like, what, what is the deal with this centurion? Like, what, what's, what's his problem, you know? And then I thought about the many ways that we avoid, that we avoid God. Recently, I had a baptism. 
couple, uh, they were actually going through preparation with a different clergyman. Anyways, that clergyman got sick, and so I did the baptism on his behalf. And after I did the baptism, I realized I really didn't know who they were. And so I introduced myself a, a second time and kind of got their background. And I said, oh, well, uh, is this your first child? And they said, yes. And I said, congratulations. How long have you been married? And they said, uh, we're not married. And I was like, oh, yikes. <laughs> Insert foot into mouth, you know. And then I said, oh, well, that's good. You know, you, you welcome the child into the world. And then the guy was like, yeah, it wasn't really expected. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I quit, you know. Like, <laughs> I tried to smooth it over again. It didn't work. Anyways, and then the guy reaches into his pocket, in his jacket pocket, and he pulls out a wad of cash. Probably get me to shut up, actually. He pulls out a wad of cash, and he said, uh, Father, we missed the collection basket. Um, we were out in the back of church or something. Uh, can you make sure this gets to the, the church for us? And I said, sure. I thought, no. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? People who I, I, don't, I don't see come to church, who have their own stuff and their own lives, they still have enough faith to offer 120 bucks cash to the collection basket. Incredible, right? There's something in us that knows. And I think there's something in the centurion that also knows the only thing that I can possibly imagine about the centurion is that he needed to go to Jesus more than he needed Jesus to come to him. He needed to go to Jesus more than he needed Jesus to come to him. What does that mean? Well, it means advent. It means confession. I mean, here he is, the God of the universe, the God who made the galaxies and the sun and big dog, if you heard my homily this weekend, and the pillars of creation and the, and the subatomic particles, the word through whom all things were made is standing there. And he goes to him anyway. I don't think the centurion, I don't think he's embarrassed about what's behind him. I think that he's, I think he's wanted to show something he's never shown before. And that's faith. Jesus already knows, he knows how bad you are. He does. He's seen every bit of your pain and your darkness, your wounds. He's seen all of your grotesque trash. He knows the sin that gets you every time, maybe every day. He knows the brokenness in that relationship or in those relationships. He knows the fears you hold within. But the centurion shows us today to show something else instead. The centurion decides he's not going to hide in fear anymore. He's going to show himself in self-revelation. He's not going to doubt anymore. He's going to have faith. He's not going to cower. He's going to believe. The reason I think that the centurion goes out to meet Jesus instead of having Jesus come into his house is not because his house is trashy. God knows that already. He sees your sins. But what Jesus sees today in this man is something new. He sees the opposite. Instead of seeing fear and hiding and being scared, Jesus gets to see the man's faith. He gets to see what he believes. When he heard this, Jesus was amazed. How can a God who made everything else ever be amazed unless he's seeing something he's never seen before. Folks, I think that's what Advent is for. 
I think Advent is a time to show God, yes, all of our trash, all of our sin, all of our brokenness, and he sees it anyway. But maybe also make this Advent about showing God something else. Make him amazed at how much you trust him.